0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, let's do this. Um, Bold opener, Alfie. Way to get things moving, right? I'm Alfie. It's short for Albrick because my dad was a history nerd and apparently hated me. Why not just call me Alfred or Alfie? God knows. Man, what a start. It's not a start, it's the end, but I don't know, it just feels proper, that makes sense. I won't have a real obituary, not a proper one anyway. Nobody's gonna know how I died or what really happened to me. My mum, Grace and Tammy, they never even really met Casper. They saw him from a distance. I, I kind of regret that now. I know Mum was worried. Maybe if I'd tried to get her and Cass together, she'd have seen that it was a good thing we had going for all its weirdness and everything. She'd know I died loved, not just by her, but by Casper. I don't know why that feels like it would be better, but yeah. I wonder if they'll have a funeral for me. (laughs) What they'll think of Cass for not showing up. I suppose without a body there wouldn't be a funeral, just a memorial. And there won't be a body, not if I can help it. Rationally, like, I know the odds were never in my favour for all of this, for all of how well I tolerate the blood and stuff. I'm alone. I've got a little cowpole syringe with with 10ml of the blood to put in my mouth and hope for the best, but maybe that's not enough. Maybe drinking the blood the way I have for so long, maybe it's raised my tolerance or something. And I don't even have enough to push me over the edge the way I need it to. Maybe the fact I handle the blood so well is a bad sign, not a good one. There's no studies, no data to examine. I can't research this because... Because it's hard to study. And the vampires, that's not something they want to do, not something they're interested in. Uh, I don't know. God, what am I even... <laughs> I have to do this, because something has happened to Casper, I can't help him like this, so I have to try to to be not like this. My name is Alfie DeLon. I'm going to die, or maybe not. These are my final words. As a human, anyway. This is Not Quite Dead, episode 14, To Die, Will Not Quite Die. Haley and I actually have this thing where we've promised each other that whoever dies last has to read a poem at the other's funeral. The specific poem is The Platonic Blow, which is technically anonymous, but... Really, probably written by W.H. Auden. The idea is we'll get up to the lectern or whatever and solemnly say, and now a poem by W.H. Auden, and everyone would be expecting funeral blues, you know, stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone, put crape bows around the white necks of the public doves, that one, and we'll start reading. it. <laughs> well, just in case you do actually end up at one of our funerals. I won't spoil it for you, but (laughs) it'll be quite a shift in the mood. (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe there's something better I should pick, you know? Because funny as all of that is, I think my mum would want something nice. I trust her to pick something nice. Grace would help. Maybe Tammy will write something for me. She's really into poetry at the moment, I think. Actually... That was a few months ago. She's still at that age, you know, where your passions change every fortnight. I just hope she's not back on the pépier-mache again. It's really sweet and everything, but I don't fancy getting sent off to the next life with a mushy sculpture of my own head, you know. I feel like I should have talked to Casper about this. That's what partners do, right? You know what each other wants at their funeral. Or at least you should. Actually, maybe that's a bit fucked, considering I'm not, like, I don't know, not even thought about marrying him or fantasised about the wedding. Is that fucked? Surely not. Everyone dies, even vampires. But not everyone gets married. Logically, it's got to be more important to know what poem your partner wants at their funeral than it is what your first dance song should be, right? (laughs) That's a much sharper pain now. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. The sixth and seventh rib on my right are very, very broken. I think my lung might be torn. It's uh, interesting to see the injuries beginning to manifest again. (coughs) (coughs) After... After the half-made things caught me down by the river ooze, a... I fell off the bridge, into the stairs, onto the flagstones. The half maids, two of them, bit me on the arm and inside of my leg. <laughs> Places Casper had bitten days before. I guess they smelled enough like old blood that it attracted them. I don't know. Casper said he could taste the rot of their poison in me so strongly when he drank my blood to get it out that it made him sick, bright red over both of us as I choked and collapsed my lung under my broken ribs. The side of my head was a mess, skin split, blood sticky in my hair and over my ear. It was scary enough for Cass to overpower the visceral drive to bite, to lick and feed. He bit his own arm, dripped the blood into my mouth. What scared him the most of everything was how long it took from the first taste of vampire blood on my lips for me to come to life again. And take his wrist in my mouth. He was shaky, depleted from throwing up the poison, and I drank and drank so much it made him dizzy, made the feral beast that lived in his skin coil and shake, and still I didn't wake up. He had to pull away before I was fully conscious, or he'd have gone so far over the edge, he wouldn't have been able to stop himself from killing me. But he did stop. He called an ambulance and waited with me as long as he could. He took my phone, my keys, my wallet out of my pocket, anything he thought might make it easier for the paramedics to tell who I was. He needed them not to know it was me for as long as possible, so they didn't call anyone I knew. Bloody-mindedly, Casper resolved that he was going to save me, and that meant that none of my family could be asking awkward questions about my sudden, speedy recovery from the brink of death. He promised all of this to me, he said. He whispered it to me as I choked on air, unconscious, bleeding out on the flagstones. I don't remember. I don't remember anything after the fall until I woke up in Casper's car a few days later. To be honest, I don't even remember the fall itself, or really the last few minutes before it happened, which is a blessing I suppose. I remember running for the stairs away from the half-maid which was dripping wet from the river. My shoes clanged on the iron steps, Rust peeking through the cream paint, orange streaks like watered-down blood running from where it joined with the old stone of the bridge. I was so close, I could practically smell the tyres, and then I felt something close its wet fingers around my ankle. I was moving too fast to stop safely, and I slammed forward, my face whacking hard against the steps. I could taste blood. My lips were warm and wet as my nose streamed with it, my teeth aching. Loose in my bottom jaw. It didn't make sense. The half maid was slower than me. It was too far behind to have caught me. I pushed myself upright, blearily, looking down, and I saw the first half maid, the one that had been hunting me through the gardens. It hadn't stopped hunting me at all, but had followed another path, looping around to meet me here, where its nails bit into the flesh of my calf and its ragged mouth full of loose teeth flapped as it mashed its face between the bars of the staircase. Its other hand reached through the bars to grab a fistful of my t shirt and I yanked it away. Pieces of its fingers stayed on the fabric. I kicked at the thing's face through the bars, hearing a sickening crunch, feeling its bones give under the heel of my shoe. My head spinning, my heart pounding, I got to my feet and hauled my way up the rest of the stairs. I got to the top on the road mostly empty but for a small figure heading my way from the centre of town no helmet dark hair streaming Casper relief washed through me Casper was here everything was going to be alright I I I think that would be nice a nice last thought to have Really, and it is the last thing I remember. As he threw the bike out from underneath himself, he rolled across the tarmac like it was, it was nothing. I think, you know, I think he was running towards me. I remember the early morning sun on his skin looked so beautiful, but I was worried it was going to hurt him more than anything. I, I remember, yeah. I remember relief, and then nothing. (sighs) I was climbing up the stairs, the half-maid, face mashed, his fingers fleshless and desperate grabbed my shoulders and yanked me backwards over the stone wall. His arms couldn't hold me though, rotted and wasted as they were, and I I felt my back hitting the railing of the stairs with a crack so loud, Casper said he felt it in his own bones. It took him two seconds to get to me. Both the half maids were already on me, their mouths on my leg and my arm. Sucking at the half healed scabs he himself had bitten into me. I was already unconscious. <laughs> I'm not surprised, I've seen the x-rays. My cheekbone was broken, the side of my skull shattered damage to my vertebrae. Fractured is, well, it feels inadequate as a description, really. Completely and totally fucked is a better way to describe what those bones look like. I I actually haven't been able to feel my legs for about eight hours. Even the last time I drank the blood, all that happened was my feet tingled for a little while. Fucking all this bullshit, all this that weekend was so perfect, and there was stupid busy days afterwards, but I can't remember anything that happened in them and I think maybe if God if the sight of them there thinking thinking everything is going to be okay now because casper is here if that moment if that was the last coherent thought in my brain i didn't I didn't have time to think or fight or suffer it was just fuck fuck it still doesn't make it. I don't, uh, still not, what I wanted, I think, was to feel like, uh, I don't know if it even makes sense, I, I guess I have been trying to get to this place in my head where I'm happy about it, where I feel satisfied that I've lived my life and like, I don't know, I want a real at least, do you know what I mean? but i'm reaching back into everything and the truth is i don't want to die i don't i do not want to be dead i don't want this to be the end and there is no way for me to sit here and make it work as that because god it's not like i wasn't happy i was happy deliriously happy at times Not like I thought I was going to be famous or or leave some significant mark on the world or go down in history or really anything except more of the same shit I've been doing my whole life. Maybe minus some of the pain of it, I don't know. But it was a good life, for fuck's sake. For the stupid hours I worked, the hell that being a nurse is sometimes, it was a good, good life. And I don't want it to end. It's shit. It's shit that this is it. Maybe it's not. I... Maybe it'll work when I drink this blood. Maybe I'll be a vampire. Maybe I'll wake up like Cass and. <laughs> I <don't> want to lie <laughs> and, and say I just want him to be okay and that's all. I want that to be enough for me. But it's not. I'm selfish. No, no, it's not. It's not selfish. I just want to be okay, too. I want to feel my fucking legs. I want my lung not to collapse. I want my skull unfractured. I want to be okay. I want to be alive. I make it through the other side of whatever change this is. In the best case scenario. Is that even going to apply to me then? Casper. I know Casper. I know he's a person. I know he loves and thinks and feels. Even if Cas could never explain it. Even if there's no way anyone could. I wonder if that's what it's about. If that's the reason the vampires are being taken. In some ways the change is huge, all-encompassing. I've never experienced it or watched it happen to anyone else but despite the fact that every cell in your body is altered, there are also ways in which becoming a vampire seems to change very little. Casper isn't human but he can seem very human indeed, you know, in the moments where he wants to. Here's what I know. I know if I make it through the change, I'll be healed. I know I'll want to drink the blood. I know the sun will hurt me and daylight will seem much brighter. I'll be able to see in the dark. I won't age and other physical processes will change. Some slowing down like hair growth and fingernails and others stopping entirely like human digestion. The main issue with eating human food, Casper said, was that it woke up parts of his body which had been dormant for a long time and that was painful be worth it for the occasional French fancy though, right? God, what am I doing? I hate how all this makes it sound like my life started when I met Cas. And yeah, sure, it's this moment in my life. There's before I met Casper and there's afterwards. The before is where vampires were in stories and movies and didn't exist. And in the after, there are rotting, half-made things that want me dead. And my boyfriend sometimes wants to eat me. And everything that sucked before, like my job and my brain, they still all suck. It's just that the net amount of people who want to eat me on a daily basis has increased 100%. Or maybe not. Maybe they always wanted to eat me. I Fucking, I don't know. Is this what my obituary would be like? Alfie Delon. People wanted to eat him, both literally and figuratively. Sometimes in a sexy way. Fucking, Jesus Christ. There's more to it than that, isn't there? I existed before I met Casper. I was a kid. I went to school in York. I grew up here. I was actually born in a military base in Germany, so there's that to bear in mind. My parents married youngish. My mum was very young, just 18, and my dad was 21. Mum had me a little less than a year after the wedding. I was an early baby, born at 27 weeks, small enough to fit in my dad's hand. This was 1990, so there was a very real chance I'd completely fucked being alive right from the beginning. Spent the first two months of my life in a plastic box. I got pneumonia and staph and even sepsis. Didn't even taste milk until I was six weeks old. One thing I've thought about a lot is what would have happened if Cass hadn't come to get me from the hospital. If I'd died in that ICU full of tubes and wires like I had been for the first few weeks of my life. I wonder what that would have done to my mum. Working in A&E, I've seen a lot of shit. And one of the things that breaks me every time is people saying goodbye to what's essentially a corpse being forced to stay warm by machines. I imagine it feels more tangible somehow. But they're dead. There was so much swelling in my brain by the time I got to the hospital that there was no coming back from it. I had days, if not hours, to live and Casper knew it as I lay there on the floor by the river. He sat beside me, holding my hand, feeling my feelings along with me, feeling them slip away into a muddled fuzz that didn't make any sense. I I wasn't in pain, he could tell that at least, but before the ambulance arrived, he had to leave me and for the first time in decades as he walked down the river to where he dropped his bike, he thought about luring someone down an alleyway and draining them dry so he could meet me at the hospital and give me what I needed to pull through. Instead, he rode his bike home and showered, washing our blood off his skin. At that point, he said he was so desperate to feed that he could hear the heartbeat of every human within 500 yards, as though he had his head pressed directly against their chest. He knew they would do whatever they could for me at the hospital, but my time was limited if he couldn't give me more of his blood. To do that, he needed to eat. I... I don't know what he did then. When I asked, he wouldn't look at me. The night after I nearly died, they did find more victims of the half-maids, throats torn to shreds, bobbing their way down the ewes. Almost as soon as they got me to the hospital, I was admitted to the ICU, which was a problem for a lot of reasons. Firstly, I was on a ventilator, which meant Casper couldn't easily feed me his blood the way that would make most sense. Secondly, they'd put me in an induced coma, and he wasn't sure how that would interact with the blood's effects on me. And lastly, because patients there are watched so closely, it would be hard for Casper to get in there at all. It was also only a matter of time before someone recognised who I was. With the swelling and the blood on my head, it wouldn't have been easy, but it was going to happen and when it did they'd call my mum and it would make everything even more complicated. I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals as a kid. I was always at the bottom of my percentiles, the littlest kid in my year, even though I was one of the oldest. I was forever sick with the flu and bronchitis, forever with some bone or other in a cast. By the time I hit my teens though, I had stopped being especially snappable and my immune system finally seemed to properly grow in. But I've always found hospitals to be these points of safety and refuge. And from as soon as I was old enough to start thinking about what I wanted to do for a job, I knew I wanted to be a nurse. My dad, when he was still alive, he was always pushing for me to be a doctor, but I wasn't interested. Doctors breathed in and out and spoke to my parents, not to me. Nurses made me feel like I was welcome, that I was safe, that I could own my body despite what was happening to it. Mum says she considers it her greatest achievement in life, that none of the three of us turned out like either her or dad, but I don't know. Mum's kind and thoughtful. so Grace and Tammy. I hope I am too. And Dad. oh, Dad. He was a military man, and he was good at his job. And so that meant he was away a lot. They didn't have grace until he'd taken extended leave of absence. He never discussed with me, or with Mum, or with anyone, as far as I know. By the time they had Tammy, things were rough with Dad. I think mum kind of hoped that a new baby would have brought a little of the joy back into his life but it didn't seem to help. There was always a lot of love in the house but dad was a kind of sad that made it hard to reach him. Sometimes we'd stay up late into the night and talk to each other but he'd always stop short of actually being emotionally honest about anything. So much about his job and his life that he just couldn't speak about think he got used to not talking about things at all, to be honest. Officially, his death was an accident. He was hit by a car. Mum and I don't talk about it, but on the few occasions where we've almost managed it, there's this dark, horrible notion that maybe he walked into the road on purpose that day. But we'll never know. That's been on my mind a lot too. Not Dad dying or the fact that he most likely killed himself, but the fact that Mum didn't talk about it at all with any of us. In fact, she barely even mentions him. But she has all his uniforms packed up in the spare room by the exercise bike and the winter coats and the cling film Christmas tree. If I die, that's what I'll be. Boxes of stuff my mum doesn't talk about. so self-centred. I'm dying either way, whether I drink the blood or not. I have to think about Cass. I have to try to change because he's out there, he's stuck, and they'll, they'll pull out his teeth and cut off his fingers and throw him in the river like stale bread for the ducks, and I can't. I can't. He came here to help the others. He came here to stop whatever has been happening here. If I don't help him, maybe this carries on. Maybe they keep catching vampires and torturing them and making half-mates and throwing them into the world to kill people. It's not just about trying not to die, is it? It's, it's about trying to help. It's about being in control. It's about them. I have to try. I have to. So why am I still sitting here talking to nobody like it's going to help? Why don't I just do it? It's all right here, right in front of me. The odds aren't ever going to be better than right now. So why can't I just do it? Come on but I can't why why can't I what's making me stop am I scared I'm more scared than of just just lying down and waiting for the effects of the blood to wear off and my brain starts to swell and I can't think anymore really more scared than I am of just straight up death actually I'm not scared of dying I just don't want to. Which leaves me with one option, doesn't it? (sighs) Okay, so... Here's what's going to happen. I, um... I have a video I found of me and Cass. It's here on my laptop. I'll put that on when I start. Maybe that's silly. I just... You should be here. And I need to help him, so, yeah, I I don't know. I'll play the video, and then I'm going to drink what's left of Cass's blood. Then I'll lie down with the syringe of the last measure of it in my mouth. (sighs) And then I'll wait. Apparently it hurts, but I don't know how much or what it's like. Apparently there's thrashing, but I don't know how voluntary or what kind... I don't know if I'll be conscious, I don't know what it'll mean for the state of my injuries, I don't know, I just don't know, (sighs) but I do know if I don't do this I will definitely die, and I know for certain I do not want to be dead. So I need to stop thinking about this as just a different way of dying. Because, like, everyone will die eventually. And this is the only way I have to make it potentially not now. And I really, really don't want it to be now. It's not the end, it's the beginning. of not a new life, not exactly, I don't know, the first day of something else. <sighs> oh, that's it, isn't it? first day of my life. That's the song that would be our first dance. Not that I'd marry him. Not that I'd marry anyone, necessarily. Okay, I'm just stalling now, aren't I? <sighs> I'm going to let this recording keep running, just in case. Maybe it'll be useful, even if I... There you go. There's my at least. <laughs> I, I, I know I know what poem I want to... Um, <laughs> Immortality by Mary Elizabeth Fry Do not stand at my grave and weep, I am not there, I do not sleep I am a thousand winds that blow, I am the diamond glints on snow I am the sunlight on ripened grain, I am the gentle autumn rain When you awake in the morning's hush, I am the swift, uplifting rush of quiet birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. And I hope I really won't. Whoever you are, I I, I did this willingly. This is my choice, alright? right? If I don't make it, I had to try. Okay? I'm sorry. And Cass, if it's you, I'm so glad you're okay. And I'm sorry. I love you. Be safe. I miss you. In the water. Who needs rose gold when just the water looks like this? Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to take a picture. No, a video. I want to see the glitter. You won't be able to capture it, you know. It won't look right. No, I know. So put the phone down. I want this moment forever. To keep it, I don't want to forget. Then don't forget. You're not putting it down. No. I love you. You love me. Is that okay? More than okay. <laughs> good. That's good. Careful little human. Do your best, little bumper. (laughs) Nothing. Hey. Quite Dead is written, performed, and edited by Ara Major under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license, featuring guest performances from Aaron Wolf as Cass and Alex Piliber Richardson as Haley. Live, laugh, bite. so much trouble for me. What am I supposed to do? I cannot just leave him. Look at the state of him. You're going to be so furious at me for this. duck out. Come here, little one. Drink deep. I am going to take care of you.